Thomas? Have you been playing Hogwarts Legacy? I have. Ever since it came out, well, actually three days before it came out, since I got the deluxe version, I have been enjoying my time wandering the castle. Uh, looks like such a fun game. I do need to get that one. It's pretty good, but it got me thinking, if you have a bunch of horny teenagers going to school together, how is there no teen pregnancy at Hogwarts? I mean, there's got to be like a spell of some sort. What would it be called? Oh, I think it would be Fetus Deletus. All right, guys, welcome to our fourth episode called Fetus Deletus. Um, I hope you like that little bit, <laughs> but um, we'll we'll get right into it. Um, but before we do, just a reminder, I'm Joseph. And I'm Thomas. And we are The Sexperts. Brought to you by a newlywed man. And a virgin. I can't believe you made me say that. I pretty much just admitted it. <laughs> oh, shoot. All right, so first thing up is the pill. What do you know about that, Thomas? Oh, that's... uh, The whole topic of birth control is really interesting, but the pill is probably one of the most earth-shattering inventions of our century. Well, it really was invented last century, but... This changed everything. There has never, ever, ever been a time in the world where the ability to regulate, you know, a woman's cycle to prevent pregnancy has been possible. I mean, if you think about going all the way back before the 20th century, um, even before the mid 20th century, there was nothing other than things like, you know, condoms and they weren't that great. Uh, You know, they got better over time. But besides that, and, you know, obviously, like, not ejaculating inside the woman, there was no way, really, to prevent pregnancy. Right, and exactly. And as we talked about in our first episode, not every man's pullout game is perfect. No. And the the pill was invented in 1950, in May, apparently. And it gave women, quote, incredible freedom and re- reproductive anatomy. Um, which is pretty cool to think about. Um, but from what I've heard, the pill is not always 100% effective. Do you know why that is? I do not. Do you? There, there are differing opinions, but a lot of the time it comes down to whether or not the pill is taken properly on cycle. There, there are other people who will say it's still, it's not perfect. Like it doesn't stop ovulation or other things like that completely. Um, but Overall, most of the percentages when it comes to the failure of these um, t- different things that we're going to talk about today come down to user error most of the time. Not a lot of people want to admit that, but most of the problems come down to user error. It's true. Same goes with condoms. That's why they say on the box it's only 99% effective instead of 100% effective. Yep, because legally because of user error that was not accounted for as user error, they can't say it's 100% effective. Oh, well. Um, but the pill, if you take it on schedule, I mean, it basically prevents the chance of pregnancy almost 100%. I mean, if that pill is taken per, you know, perfectly, then it's there's basically no chance. And it took, after 1950, it did take a couple decades of test trials and you know, making sure that it, it really was safe. But for the majority of women, there are some women negatively affected by it, but it is the first form of birth control that doesn't inhibit 
either partner's sensations physically. I mean, it's just the perfect form of birth control, or, or so people say. Um, there's not a whole lot of problems with it other than some women are affected by the, the artificial hormones, like it can throw them into depression spirals or make their periods worse or other problems. But overall, it's pretty effective. Right, which is why they require a prescription in order to get this pill. Because if that was over the counter, I'd be a little worried about that. Yeah, not a lot of people know how to counter the effects of a negative reaction. There are um, different kinds of the pill, by the way. So there are a couple different hormones inside. So you can vary the levels. Some women don't need as much of the hormone, whereas some hormones, whereas some women need more. And some women can only tolerate one of the two hormones. Whereas some women can tolerate both. It just, you know, it's a matter of working with your physician, figuring out what's, what works best for you. And then, you know, continuing on if that is your choice. Do you think in a partnership or, um, in a marriage, Joseph, do you think the man should have any say about whether or not the pill is used? I mean, I feel like when it comes to that, that's kind of like just goes down to mutual agreement. You know, um, I can understand why a woman would feel like it's she can take it if she wants to, which like, I mean, definitely can. It's it's your body. You can do what you want. But I mean, I don't I don't imagine a woman would just take birth control and then not tell their partner everything. Usually they'd be like, hey, maybe I don't like using the condom. We should think about using the pill. And then they'll talk about it and everything. But the only thing that I guess is worrisome is just those side effects. Again, they're not, there's not a ton, but they can happen. Um, like there's things that are like there's spotting, breast tenderness, nausea, changes of mood, which is that depressional uh, depression cycle that you talked about. Yep. Um, there's just, I feel like there's a lot more possibility of side effects versus then just using a condom. That's true. Other than latex allergy, of course. But that's why if you work with a competent physician, you should be able to, in theory, find a pill that works for you if that is your desired uh, form of birth control. But uh, as we know, it's not the only one. Um, Before we get to condoms, let's talk about one that is not talked about a whole lot. IUDs. I've heard so many horror stories about IUDs all over on Reddit, just how painful they are. Um, There's two different types of IUDs. One of them is the copper IUD and the hormonal IUD. Do you know what the difference is, Thomas? Actually, I do. So copper IUDs don't contain any hormones at all. It's a physical blockage. Whereas the hormonal IUD relies not only on a physical blockage, but it's actually also based in hormones, kind of like the pill, so that um, in the case of the hormonal IUD, about half of women actually stop getting periods completely. And then, you know, a lot of the other women just get lighter periods. Whereas with copper IUDs, actually the opposite happens, at least in the beginning. Most women actually get heavier periods with the copper IUD. Um, But both of them have really, really high prevention rates. I mean, we're talking almost higher than the pill. But um, again, with user error, or in this case, physician error, a lower than 100% chance is possible. Right. And it's inserted there to 
pretty much prevents sperm from fertilizing the egg. So it is that blockage. And the effectiveness is the same actually as condoms, which is 99% effective. So that really goes down to, I mean, I don't know how that'd be user error because you don't put it in IUDs yourself. Um, but I guess could technically still be user error based on the doctor that puts it in there. Well, I think also if, if you feel like something is wrong, but you don't say anything, that, you know, that still could, I mean, th- at that point it's still physician error, but it's important to, you know, regulate your body, make sure it's everything, everything's feeling, you know, how it should. Exactly. Cause everybody's different. Um, the interesting thing is that I didn't know before is that you can actually get IUDs that last for a really long time. Um, what it says here is that copper IUDs can last up to 12 years and everything, which is pretty cool. If you're planning on not, ha- on not having kids for 12 years, I'm sure you could definitely get it taken out if you wanted to, if you would change your mind. But it's just nice to know that you can do that one and done. But again, I've heard that the process of getting there is not great. And that is the main hurdle for a lot of women. In the Western world, at least, there are almost no doctors that offer any sort of pain medication or anesthetic while uh, under the procedure. That is unacceptable. Any person that that claims IUD insertion is completely painless is lying. This has been a longstanding problem when it comes to IUDs and their use. Um, Because for those of you who don't know specifically what we're talking about, it stands for intrauterine device, if I'm not mistaken. And it literally gets pushed past the uterine wall and... Uh, into past the uh, sorry past the vaginal canal and past the cervix into the the uterus and I don't know about you but that alone does not sound like a pleasant experience so the fact that there's most most physicians out there don't give their patients a pain medication of any sort during that insertion process it's no wonder that that isn't the most common form of birth control Right. I mean, I can't imagine having uh, what what is it called when they insert that thing up the penis? Oh, a catheter. Yeah, a catheter. I mean, I can't imagine not being numbed for that. That would be Ugh. painful. I to be fair, I'm sure it's a lot worse than an IUD, but like that's at least how I can think about it. It just sounds awful. Yeah, I doubt I doubt it's worse, but at the same time, just even imagining that just ugh. chills. I mean, they give they give men pain pain meds for catheter, right? Uh that I don't know. I I wouldn't be surprised if some do. If the person is passed out, I doubt it. <laughs> oh, right. I'm sure most of the time they are. Um, I guess the 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 same thing that you run into with the pill. If a woman has a negative reaction to the hormones in a hormonal IUD, obviously that's not the best choice. But the copper IUD, since it's hormoneless, is that a word? It doesn't have hormones. So therefore, it's going to be a more broad solution for more women. We just need physicians to recognize that they need to administer some sort of pain medication. As long as we can get over that hurdle, I think copper IUDs are actually, in my opinion, sort of the way to go. Once they're there, most women that I've seen talking about it on the internet say that as long as it's inserted property properly they don't have any issues whatsoever right the one thing i did see on the internet though was actually on a reddit post 
as they were saying that they actually had high copper levels after having um, that IUD in there for, I think they had it for seven years and they actually started losing hair because of that high copper level. Um, they don't know if that was the IUD, but that's what they were, they were assuming um, and everything. And then, but after they got their second IUD, um, which it looks like they went to the hormonal one, their, her hair started growing back. So obviously that doesn't really sound very common, but it's kind of interesting to look at here. I think that does go come down to the same thing like we talked about before. Bodies vary. So if your body is more prone to absorbing copper, maybe don't get the copper IUD. But as with the pill and the hormonal IUD, check with your doctor and work out the best solution for you. Right. And while we are the experts, we don't know actually that much, as you can tell. <laughs> Talk to your doctor. Um, but it's, we're always here to discuss all the differences, what there, what's out there, our opinions. If you don't like our opinions, email us. We'll probably just read it and be like, all right, you can have your opinion. We'll have ours, <laughs> but we're always, we always love hearing other people's opinions. So let us know. One thing that there's a lot of opinions about is condoms. I think it's safe to say that besides the pill, condoms are the most common form of birth control i definitely think they're number one and the only people that generally seem to be against it are the guys just because they're it'll negate their experience but as we talked in the first episode they're not actually that bad especially nowadays i don't know if you've seen this joseph as you're browsing through the different condoms available but you can get insanely thin condoms nowadays i mean they're basically like glass they're so transparent yeah i mean have you guys ever been down the condom aisle there's so many different condoms that you can get i wouldn't recommend just trying one and being like oh i don't like this one like try different ones there's so many different ones um i will say that trojan is probably pretty dang good i say because i want trojan to sponsor us but so Trojan, if you're listening, let us know. We'll 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 give you a shout out, sponsor, you know, tell you how good it is. I think it's also safe to say that most men, if not all men, are using the Magnum variants of condoms for their extra large packages. Wouldn't you say that's accurate? Oh definitely, yeah. The Magnum, they always those are the XLs, you know. Yep. Gotta grab those ones. Th those are for the average sized penis. Um, and here, here's where I'm going to insert a little bit more of my opinion. I think that due to emotional instability or the possibility of emotional instability or mood swings or overall wellness issues that, that hormone, hormonal birth control can cause, I personally think that condoms are the best. Well, I 100% agree. And the other thing that you can actually get from condoms is protection from sexually transmitted diseases, STDs. That's true. The pill can't provide any protection against that whatsoever. Now, as far as I know, if you and your partner, the only ones you've ever had sex with, you don't really need to worry about that. STDs are transmitted through unprotected sex with several people. Um, and... Correct me if I'm wrong, Thomas. I don't think we're necessarily born with an STD. 
unless you are born with HIV. That is something that is HIV is the one transmissible. Yeah. yeah, that's the one thing that they kind of covered in my sexual education class. Um, there might be more. I can't remember, but I know that HIV definitely is is one of those. Um, but you're right. Condoms are a physical barrier. There's no other way to say it. They just they cover the male reproductive part when he inserts it into whatever orifice it goes in. Um, it's protection. Um, another benefit of condoms is a lot of the times you can actually buy them coated with spermicide. Uh, go ahead and tell us about that, Joseph. Yeah, so spermicide is pretty much a coating that they put on the condom which kills the sperm as soon as it makes contact with it, which is very nice, especially if you do tend to have some user error and or just a massive load. And, you know, some men, like me, will just blast through that condom. So that spermicide can actually help to kill the sperm before it ever reaches the egg. And you can also buy it separately. If you don't want to buy condoms that already have it pre-applied, you can buy spermicide separately that you can apply before, during, or after intercourse. Obviously, um, it's most convenient to just have it on the condom, um, especially because condoms can slip off. You know, it's, it happens. And if the guy isn't aware of that, which he will be, if he says he's, he wasn't aware, he's he's lying. But it can be helpful to have that spermicide there just in case. Right, because no man wants to either, one, admit it, and two, stop in the middle of sex. Um, one thing that can be helpful that not a lot of people talk about is how sex can actually be enhanced with multiple condoms. Um, I find that uh, most people would agree two to three condoms actually is the most ideal way to use them. Um, because not only does it provide more protection, but it can actually be a sort of ritualistic experience between the two partners. Right. And if you think about it, each condom gives you a 99% chance of not getting pregnant. So when you add those two numbers together, you get 198%. And when you do the math, that leaves 98% of chance of the men not getting pregnant. Which, that sounds good to me. An almost 100% chance of me not getting pregnant with a 100% chance of her not getting pregnant. Can't get better than that. Another thing that is commonly forgotten about condoms is that there's not just one type. Just kind of like how there's more than one size, you can actually get condoms with different features, such as ribs or dots or other designs that actually can enhance uh, the experience of the partner that is being inserted upon. Um, it doesn't necessarily boost the physical pleasure of the man, but... If the man's partner is getting more pleasure, I think we can safely say that that would be a more beneficial experience for the both of them. Yeah, and some some guys say, and even women, which is the reason why some women actually like giving blowjobs, is because giving somebody else pleasure actually makes them feel good. And so if you think about it, if you as a man use one of these and it feels a lot better for the woman, you're probably just going to feel better about it anyways. Um, one of the other things, too, is that, I mean, you can prevent your woman from using sex toys if you use this, because most sex toys are going to be 
laced with those different kinds of ribbons, um, textures, everything like that. Yeah, it's it's just a way to enhance the current experience um, without you know adding anything else. Um, it's very simple, very easy, very effective. You know what's not very simple or very easy though? What's that? There is a new experiment. Um, well, there's actually multiple experimental studies going on right now for male birth control. Um, and I'm, we're not talking about condoms because a lot of people just, when you talk about male birth control, they just think about condoms. But we're talking about hormonal birth control for men. Interesting. How does that work? In most cases, it's a cream or a gel that is either applied to the testes or in one case that I read, it's actually a gel that's applied to your shoulders. Really? And what it's supposed to do is either modulate the male's hormones to reduce or stop sperm production or uh, stop uh, the sperm from being fertile um, in an effort to basically take the burden off the women. Um, however, the, the main concern is that these are currently experimental. There's not a whole lot of research or studies being done on you know, the side effects, the long-term effects of these things. What would you do, Joseph, if, if you were presented with this as an option? Well, for me right now, since it's experimental, I would, if I was with my partner and we said, we don't necessarily want children right now, but we wouldn't be opposed to having them if said thing happened, I would give it a try. Because the when it comes to experimental I get a little worried about whether or not it's going to work. You don't want it to end up not working and then pay, and then suffer the consequences, especially if you really don't want children. Because while abortion is an option, it's not a pleasant option. I think it's safe to say that uh, a lot of guys would also feel a little worried about long-term effects. If these are new options... How do you know they're not going to affect you long-term or permanently? I think it's safe to say that if if this avenue of the male hormonal birth control is more researched and developed, I think this would be the more preferable option for a lot of people. Because if we can figure out a way to stop sperm production or stop the sperm from being fertile without affecting the man's mood or future fertility, I feel like that's preferable to to the hormonal or painful experiences that women would have to experience with the other options. The other benefit would be that for those who claim that a condom severely impacts their pleasure during sex, wouldn't have to use one. I think the idea of this kind of cream is a really good one. I like the idea. I like the concept. I just, it's in an experimental state right now. So it's a little worrisome. Um, the other thing when it comes to male birth control is the vasectomy. What do you think about that, Thomas? I think currently, since male hormonal birth control is kind of, for now, off the table, uh, at least safety-wise, I think the vasectomy offers a fantastic solution for men who 
don't want kids. They don't want kids in the near future or the far future. And they're okay with going through a very short, relatively painless procedure that has minimal pain over a couple weeks. Um, there is some discomfort after the procedure. But if you really don't want kids and you don't want there to be any chance really of getting pregnant or having any you know slip up or anything, cutting those tubes is a pretty safe way of ensuring that. So for those of you who don't know what a vasectomy is, Joseph, can you explain that procedure? Yes, pretty much a vasectomy cuts the tube that connects your testicles to your penis, which will ejaculate the sperm. Um, obviously, if you cut that tube, it means that there will be no sperm in the semen when you ejaculate. That is a common misconception, actually, with the vasectomies. How do you ejaculate if there's no sperm? Um, the interesting thing is, is that when you ejaculate, the semen is not all sperm. Because when you think about it, the sperm is so small that there has to be something else with it. And in fact, the vagina is not a safe place for stuff like sperm. They are designed to fight away things like infections, any other things that might get in there. Um, so a lot of what the sperm is laced with is a substance that will pretty much protect the sperm from being damaged trying to get to the egg. I mean, that is the way our bodies are designed. That's the whole point of it, because we don't want it to be one, super easy, and two, potentially very dangerous for the women if their vagina had something else go in there. So pretty much when you do the snip, you have everything still except for the sperm. So, And that substance also actually acts as a lubricant for the body as well even though the woman actually creates lots of lubricant for herself anyways. That's true. Uh, so what you're telling me, Joseph, is I actually, if I get a vasectomy, my balls don't get cut off? No, so your balls are still going to be there. They pretty much just can no longer connect to your penis, the tube that ejaculates, the tube that your pee goes through. In case you didn't know, your pee and the semen come out of the same tube, um, in case you didn't know. That is that is a good fact to know. Um, we don't have as many holes as a woman does. But, yeah, so essentially, your balls are still there. It's just that there is a snip in the balls. Speaking of balls, there's a funny story about uh, vasectomies that I like to tell. I once had a roommate who would used to go longboarding uh, down mountainous winding roads. And he and his buddies would do this, you know, a few times, a few hours a day. One of his buddies decided to lay down on his back on his longboard and was cruising down this winding road. You know those guardrails, Joseph, that they put on the edges of the roads? Yeah, I think I know where this is going. And you know how they have gaps between them? You know, they're spaced every so often. Right. Well, sadly, my roommate's friend slipped off his longboard at a high speed on one of the turns 
and with wide open legs, his legs slid between one of those posts. The post contacted his groin, and after the shock of the experience had worn off a little bit, he opened his pants to reveal bare testicles out of the Ooh. ball sack. Talk Ooh. about ouch. Talk about sympathy pain. <laughs> yeah. Any man listening right now can cringe and recoil with us. Ooh. However, the good news is that he was still fertile. Uh, they stitched him up and his luck led him to maintaining the ability to produce good sperm. Um, he has kids, as far as I remember, and uh, was not permanently disfigured or damaged by wow. that experience. That's impressive. The human body truly is a marvel. There is another thing that is actually very similar to the vasectomy that is a type of birth control. Um, a lot of the women in my family have actually done it this way when they've decided to be done with kids. Instead of the man getting a vasectomy, the woman actually has her tubes tied. And as far as I know, the main reason why they do this is because, one, they've already had kids, they've decided to be done, and two, correct me if I'm wrong, it actually stops them getting their menstrual cycle. So they don't know. So that they no longer have to worry about their period. That is true. In in some cases, it does put them through a form of menopause. Um, so they, but regardless of whether it affects them that way or not, it's impossible for them to get pregnant. It's definitely alongside vasectomy. It is a surefire way of pre preventing uh, pregnancy. Um, and I think if if the woman has already had kids and no longer desires them. Or if they just don't want kids in general, it's a pretty good way to go about that. Uh, after the post-op recovery, there's no pain. There's no other things to do like, you know, with a condom or um, spermicide or the pill. It's just done. Right. No more worries there. Now, this next topic that we're going to talk about is a little hard to get into. But we, in this case, are going to be only talking about the elective abortion in the case of personal or social convenience. Correct. We're not talking about instances of rape, incest, uh, cases where the health of the mother is affected or cases where the fetus is not viable. Um, we're talking about cases uh, abortion for people who had sex without protection or maybe with protection that didn't function properly. Um, and for the case of, you know, convenience or just uh, continuing their life without the bump of pregnancy and, and childcare, uh, want to wish to terminate uh, the pregnancy. Now, I think the best and easiest option of a case like that, where something malfunctions, they had unprotected sex, realize it was a bad idea, is plan B. Plan B can actually be used within 72 hours of the unprotected sex to pretty much prevent the pregnancy. And in a case like this, I personally don't really consider it as an abortion. Another thing that can be done um, is in the case of rape, they can, or I, mean, I, I don't know if this is actually possible in other um, situations, but for, in the case of rape, they'll actually scrape the uterine wall um, and the vaginal canal 
um, basically clean out that area to prevent um, semen from traveling to an egg and uh, allowing fertilization to occur. So that there is that as well. And there is actually a lot of places that will do that for free. So you don't need to worry too much about the possible medical procedure, the medical costs there, because this is a very understandable situation. Um, I don't know exactly where it is free or where it's not, but it is my understanding that a lot of places like hospitals will do it with no charge. It's also um, safe to say that it's important to do your due diligence. Um, since this is a, a political topic where we're not going, we don't want to delve into, you know, our personal beliefs, uh, the political controversy too much. Uh, we don't, that's not the purpose of this podcast. And frankly, when things that happen like that, that aren't, you know, if, if a podcast is not political in nature, it turns political, tends to not uh, be very enjoyable. So we try to avoid that. But it's safe to say that um, not a lot of people consider abortion as the ideal. Not a lot of people consider it as what should be the go-to option. So there should be a lot of responsibility exercised. Uh, if you have other forms of birth control available to you before it gets to this point. Um, please be responsible in using those. Uh, I think everyone would agree that making the decision on abortion is not an easy one. And so if you can, you know, have the easy decision of using a condom or going to get the pill, since pretty much nowadays it's offered for free, um, there's other options before this, this decision is even necessary. This is a complex topic. There's a whole lot of options, and we don't necessarily want to overwhelm people um, with all of the things that are out there. But if I had to ch choose my favorite, like I said, I think it's probably wearing two to three condoms. I think that's definitely the best way to go. Yeah. Again, that 2% of me getting pregnant is something I definitely like. Yeah. Really interesting. And like we said, easily the most fun. For sure. Get those textured condoms as well. That, that sounds like fun. <laughs> it does, yeah. Well, um, this has been episode four, Fetus Deletus. That is one of my uh, favorite jokes when it comes to Harry Potter spells. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us on this birth control adventure. Thank you for joining us. Um, just a quick reminder that if you guys do have any questions, comments, concerns, or episode ideas, um, please reach out, out to us at thesexpertspod at gmail.com. Again, that is thesexpertspod at gmail.com. We love feedback. We love questions. We love hearing from you. So let us know. That's it for today. We'll see you next time.